You are listening to the Geeks Radio Internet Radio Network at geeksradio.com, home of Trek Off, the Not Safe for Work Star Trek podcast, Pop Off, where we geek out on comics, movies, and TV shows that are the superstars of geek culture, Podcast Who, the Doctor Who podcast with Phil Stamper, Ninjas vs. You, the official podcast of the Ninjas vs. Trilogy, and Garrett and RJ Go Hollywood, two regular guys trying to make it in Tinseltown. All of this is available for you for free by going to geeksradio.com or searching Geeks Radio on iTunes. Geeks Radio is a presentation of Endlight Entertainment. Warning, the episode you're about to listen to may include plot spoilers and naughty language, so listener discretion is advised. It's time for Trek Off! Benedict Cumberballs! Welcome to Trek Off, my name is Justin. And my name is Alexi. And you guys... You guys, as upset as we are at what just happened, you guys should be upset because you guys are missing gold. Um, we just spent 45 minutes recording an episode which has been lost into the ether. Um, so uh, basically... So let's sum it up. Here we go. It was a whole conversation. Five five minutes ago. Ready? <laughs> Here we go. Um, here's a rundown of what we said. Uh, a... We spent two hours before all this having a therapy session where we talked, and then we related that back to the way people talked about, got along in the original series and next gen. And in, in the original series, everybody hated Kirk. And, or, Kirk and, and, and Shatner, or Shatner. Shatter, Everyone hated Shatner. Shatter didn't And the so next sad. gen, everybody got along, and they all just seemed like regular people. And then in DS9, everybody, they got along on set, but they were just professional, and that's how it ran. There was not a lot of close relationships, except one of them did actually get married. And by the way, next, next, next gen, I didn't say this in the original one, but I kind of wish that. Like, I know that Jonathan Frakes has been married forever. Yeah. But isn't there, there this part of you? Yeah. It's kind of like he should have been with Troy. A little bit, yeah. Um, and then we talked. We didn't go beyond that on there. Um, no. And so I had this amazing joke right about along. Zantac. Yeah. I had this amazing joke. Like Where he thought he was being Mr. T and it, it was really the most amazing. Mr. T, but, but it was um, it was but funny. it was funny. It was yeah, funny. I, mean, I laughed. It was the there. high point of the episode. There's no way to really tell you. We about can't it. replicate what we did. No. Um. Uh-huh. Because it was really good, it was really personal, and it was really um gone. So. Yeah, so it's gone. So um, <sighs> so um, we're not gonna weep because you guys can be our collective sadness for us. Um, no, no, I'm gonna weep. Don't weep. There's, yeah, can't help it. Don't weep for what's gone. There's so much good coming. <laughs> I said coming. That's yeah. one of those words. There are words you can't say. My my. There are words you can't say. Well, no. Cause, so when we were so we were having, and I will I I will refer to our two our two hour conversation as the therapy session. My wife dared to say the word that spelled S E C T S, and oh, I can't yeah. hear that word because no, I can't. just hear sex. Yeah, I hear sex. He said sex. I can't I can't hear coming as one certainly. Like I I will always go. I I can't say the word. I I'm like I'll be like. So when are you arriving? wow like it because because it just because i'm a 12 year old but it just pops into my head like it's it's just one of those things that i can only hear the and i said this on uh so to this day whenever you see 69 well 69 actually i don't think sex 69 the only thing that pops in my head is 69 dude Dude. that's just i i don't know if i said this in our last podcast i don't think i said this when we recorded but i had this conversation with you we didn't really record no, I, I meant like when we did the show before, but I think you and I talked on the phone oh. about this, about Malcolm McDowell in Generations. And while he was a really good, really good actor, maybe I said this on the thing I did with Paul. I forget what I've said where. But um, <laughs> but while he's a really good actor, he has one terrible line delivery. Yes, when, said, it, was, it was on the phone, though. I think. Yeah, yeah. We were on when the phone. he gets pulled off the Lacool and he just looks at everyone and he goes, why? Why? And just uh, and we were talking about. It, I think it was like I was like that poor guy. Like I bet. Like I wonder. Like as being an actor myself. Like I wonder if there was fucking a good take. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, and that's the one they chose. And it's like, why? Like, and, and let's why and let's be clear. He does amazing work even in Generation. They said the time is the fire in which we burn. You know, I think that's yeah, it's fucking brilliant. But I gotta admit that bad delivery of the line why. Every time somebody says why it at all emphatically, I just hear that line. I just hear why. <laughs> so I'll be talking to someone, someone will go, why? And I just want to go, why? <laughs> and now <laughs> I've given this gift to all of you. Oh, um, so it now anytime for me, because I don't have the same weirdness. Really? You don't. You're, I dare you to not hear it the next time someone goes, why? I have to watch the movie again. 
Because I don't no, you, like so I don't have enough voice. of a memory. Hear his voice of saying this it a awful couple of times. delivery you're talking about. It's not that it's awful. It's not that like, it's not like embarrassing. It's just it's so distinctive that it's stuck in my head. Mm. And and the next time someone says why, you'll just want to go why. <laughs> I, love I mean, it. I did earlier today decide that um, that plates could only be said. <laughs> what you say? <laughs> we were we were going to the fucking store to fucking buy shit, you know. Like and, you do, like you do, and we're like making up the little like, what do we need? What do you some ham? What do you cheese? Like I was like plates, <laughs> like because I remembered it, and I was so pleased with myself that I kept sitting there like plates. <laughs> and I was like, we have oh. to always say it that way now. And so every time I would do the list, everything was normal, and then I would turn right and right in his face, like because you can't say it far away. It would be like plates. But that's you guys joking. That's you guys being funny. I literally can't hear the word why anymore. Yeah, because why? you're ridiculous. <laughs> why? Why? Um, I will repeat one thing that we did on the other podcast, which is I was explaining that I had started listening to a show called The Delta Quadrant. Yeah, um, you should repeat this. Uh, this is another Star Trek podcast that we listen to, that I listen to. Um, they've been in touch with us. They've uh, they help promote the movie. The the when we were on our Kickstarter campaign, they're they're good folks. Um, I want to specifically uh, uh, mention that when we finished watching uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, I started just kind of absorbing every Star Trek Into Darkness uh, podcast I could find a review. We were one of the first people to put it up. Have over we've had over like three hundred downloads on that puppy like Yay. within the first week. So thank you. First of all, thank you yes, guys. Thank you. Um, but I just I couldn't get enough. So I just like I went around. I listened to a bunch. I listened to now playing. I listened to like all the ones I normally listen to. But I ended up listening to. Uh, the Delta Quadrant, Quadrant, I didn't realize they were going to do one because uh, I saw it listed like when I was listening and I finished and I was like, well, hey, I've, I've seen Caretaker, the the Voyager like original episode. I, I know that pretty well. So I listened to that one. I, I'll just listen to the next one. So I'm now like eight episodes in. <laughs> um, and it's a really good show. I really, really like it. But I want to be on it now. <laughs> so here we, uh, here we go. Like here I said before, um, uh, hi, Bob got Golden wants to tell you wants to be on his show. Um, <laughs> wow, that was even worse than Mr. T. Terrible imitations of just people terrible. nobody remembers. <laughs> what we should do <laughs> is have a whole show. Yeah, or just doing doing Im- bad horrible imitations, imitations, imitations of people, of you, people do. you don't remember. Now for Polly Shore, here's my <laughs> Ross Perot. It's Polly Shore. You know what you have to do with Polly Shore? My pancreas. Um, so, uh, so if you're listening, if you're a Trek Off fan, I want you to find the Delta Quadrant podcast and let them know that we want to love them. <laughs> we want to love them aggressively, aggressively, forcefully, and enthusiastically with happiness and joy and flower petals. And so, yeah, we want to be on the show. <laughs> so um, maybe not all that, but um, like, and, and but like the, in a nice. And way. they Skype. They do their show via Skype. They do it like like over the miles, so we can do it. So we so I want you guys to go, um, and let them know. Um, so I wanted to posit to you since I can't submit anything. You um, can't no. Um, I wanted to posit something that they posited on their like second or third show, uh-huh. which was that of all the Star Treks, oh jeez, Voyager. Is the most science fiction. And they said, this is what they said. They said, the original series, yes, there was a lot of science fiction, but a lot of the science fiction was like, we're going back in time to the Western time. And now we're going back to like their time travel was always like it was it was very sort of like an excuse to put the Enterprise crew, even Star Trek Four is an excuse to put the Enterprise crew as a fish out of water in a different scenario. Um they did have some science fiction stuff, and theirs was a lot of social commentary. The next gen, also a lot of social commentary, but it was a lot of like, you know, that it, it was like almost philosophy. Um, uh, DS9 was a lot of strategy. It was a, very much a war show and a bit of a soap opera. Um, Enterprise was very much, it was also sci-fi-ish, but was very much like, like the, the, the wide-eyed wonder of exploration and sometimes the holy shit, what's out here of exploration. Mm-hmm. But they were... They were saying Voyager kind of had the most kind of like the the hard sci-fi, almost you would see it on Doctor Who type of like there is there is a temporal vortex within which there is this other thing that is reflecting back on such and such and temporal causality and like sort of a very it, the show was a little bit stranger. I mean, um, I don't know. I, I feel like all of them 
would bring up there'd be like the episode where you know we talk about black holes and the event horizon and the you know like certain shows that just leaned heavily on on a particular uh scientific theory and i just i don't feel like voyager did that more than anybody else i see i kind of i i started really thinking about the show and yes there's a lot of borg boy is there a lot of borg there's a ton of it um they lean on it too much. Let's just say they lean on the board too much, and in later seasons they lean on Q too much. I'll, I'll I'll grant that. But I will say that even down to the the sort of the the nature of the characters on Voyager, uh, specifically the Doctor, who even more so than Data raises the question of is he alive or isn't he alive? In Data, they said he is alive um, because he is you know. It was, it was sort of him with the doctor. You really had to ask yourself, is he feeling because he's showing that he's feeling because he's programmed to show that he's feeling or is he feel like that? That, that, yeah, like, I mean, I certainly I see what you mean in terms of that. So, so, OK, so let's say that question in particular, because th- they didn't mention it in terms of this question. Was it that, that with data, you got like two or three episodes about whether or not data was alive? You had me- sure. you had measure of a man. Um, you had uh, the one with Lol, which what were her rights? It was just sort of everybody on the show immediately assumed that she was alive or or assumed that Data was alive. Like from the first episode, Riker treated him as alive. Mm -hmm. But if you watch Voyager, it took forever for them to treat him like a person. Yeah, Um, that's true. And Kess calls it out in like the sixth episode to the captain, says nobody's treating him like a person. You're being rude to him. Like he's a person. And Janeway goes, no, he's not. And that struggle of he's a person and people adamantly going, we use the holodeck all the time. Those aren't people. We can yeah. turn them off with it. Like we like and, and ev- they only, you know, they, they aren't even physically actually there. Yeah. Right? And, and 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 going as far to say that they seem with data, you could go every time he seemed like he's alive. You go, well, maybe that's evidence that he's alive. But the doctor is every holodeck program is specifically meant to fool you. Yeah. Into feeling like they're alive. that way. Um, so um, and I feel like they played with that, the ethics of something that that's yeah, hard. But that's not sci-fi. But no, that's hard sci-fi. That's a question of going, what is the defini- definition of life as you move into the virtual world? That is that is a hard sci-fi kind of question. Um, um, I just I don't feel like it's somehow more hard. Like, I, I don't think that there's more of the hard sci-fi-ness going on in Voyager than anything else. Certainly not just because of one aspect. That's a, that's a philosophical question, right? Like you were talking about, like yeah. you were saying that there's, you know, Next Gen was kind of more philosophical about stuff. And that occurs to me as a very quintessential philosophical question about what does a life mean? What is a life form? Well, they were ju- I, you know, they've like, just gone through the first we... seven episodes. And I and, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with the conversation. Sure. But it's like the first one is. And that, to be clear, the doctor and things surrounding the doctor is one of the only things I like about that show. Well, but if we look at like the first episodes of all the shows, right? If we look at the cage, the cage is very hard sci-fi, but they scrap that. That's not the pilot. The pilot is where no man has gone before. And that is very much, you know, Kirk heroics, you know, that yes, there's a, there's a sci-fi element to it, but it's all solved through Kirk heroics. It's much more sort of sci-fi ish. And I'm not even sure if this is a compliment, uh, caretaker, the, the Voyager first episode is sort of like a, a, we're across the galaxy away from home intersecting with a society that is going to be destroyed. Should we let them be destroyed or should we not let them be destroyed? Um, because of the, it was just very much ge- geared in this sort of sci-fi sh- story. You move on to the next one. The next ep- episode is they're in a temporal vortex where what they are hearing is a temporal causal- causality loop where they're hearing their own stress beacon from when they were in the vortex before they were in the vortex, very kind of as doctor who would say, timey wimey, uh, sure. <laughs> uh, stuff. The, you know, the third episode is, um, also, I think I forget if it's the third or the fourth. It's also a, a, a time episode it's called time. And again, where they go down and they have a civilization, the whole civilization is going to be destroyed because they have traveled forward in time one day and caused the destruction of the civilization. Um, there's a lot of like, there's just a lot of episodes to focus on Kess's telepathy or this time thing or this like that. And maybe it's just as a fact, maybe it's because of the weaker writing of the show that the, the, well, we both, okay. The argument we have is whether or not Voyager is better than Enterprise. 
Um, neither one of us is really arguing the Voyager is a super show. Um, <laughs> let's be clear. I think Voyager has super shows, but I think that maybe because they couldn't lean on the philo- philosophy because they weren't that good at doing it anymore or that the characters weren't that strong. Maybe that's why they had to be so every episode was so high concept. So like, you know, the, that they had to do it that way. Um, and I'm interested, I'm going to keep listening to the Delta Carter and see where they go. Sure. It's faster than actually watching the shows. Um, uh, <laughs> well, because I can listen to it while I'm doing other stuff. Right. Um, right. Uh, but it's just, it was an interesting commentary. It's probably more interesting than watching the show. It was, a, it was an interesting comment to me just about that, that, that I want to, I want to follow. I almost wonder if that's part, I mean, cause Enterprise, I, I feel like that might be, like, I feel like each one incorporated, um, like scientific theory to greater extent as as each like going forward and i think the only reason enterprise didn't is because it was a step backward in the timeline mm. do you know like that, that it did it to a lesser extent or maybe i don't necessarily agree i don't think that ds9 had very much sci-fi at all well it's just because they didn't go anywhere no but they did eventually go anywhere but it ended up being a show it was the show was just very dear it was about spirituality it was it was about yeah. a lot of things but i i think it was just about different aspects but i mean and let's be clear every every one of the series has amazing all five of them i will say enterprise and voyager included all five have amazing science fiction episodes within them within their own context. yeah and i guess what i'm saying i just i don't see significantly more in you know what i mean i feel like the only thing i can see is like in terms of the shows in general of which voyager was one of the last ones to be on the air um more of a um like understanding of the people watching to feel like they could maybe bring in some more you know heady concepts do you know what i mean yeah i mean it's it's i just wonder if it's like i just i noticed that there are some more like i feel like when you look at like the original series like yes they would travel back in time and they would talk about things but i feel like they uh, for want of a better term would kind of dumb it down a little bit yeah and they wouldn't talk so high concept sciencey talk well because they were they were um, so, given, so high concept real were science a, theory talk they were given a directive not to because they did that in the cage and cbs said that's nah, what i'm saying no no, no. Right. NBC. That's what I'm no, saying. No, I think no. I think they were like they because of when they were on the air, it was like no one's going to understand that. It's going to go over people's heads. They're not going to like it. It's bad, right? Yeah. Whereas I feel like as you do next gen and DS9 and stuff like that, like yes, there was still like techno babble, but I feel like they were freer to actually incorporate, you know, some of the the, the heady concepts that that really science theory has. Like quantum theory and time sure. travel and you know that kind of stuff. But I think that that next gen knew that their characters were so strong that you could do entire episodes around just the characters. Absolutely, and you yeah, and that's and, true. and and <clears throat> they were so good at doing philosophy. <clears throat> there was always a science fiction ex- aspect of the show, but sometimes it was just the MacGuffin. Sometimes it was just like there's an alien probe that zaps Picard, and what it really is about is living out an entire life and then losing it. So, well, that's the inner light, right? The, yeah, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. The inner light. There's a science fiction aspect to the show. The show isn't about science fiction. The yeah, show, but I feel like that's the strength of the show is not that it's about science fiction per se. Well, and that's what they were saying is they were saying that, that when they say hard sci-fi, it's like we're talking like Asimovian, you know, when I read when I read the, the Foundation trilogy, which I think everybody should read. It's great. It's a great sci-fi um, classic. But I read the Asimovian. I'm not that in, like I, Isaac Asimov's Foundation trilogy. It's not, I don't get that engaged with the characters all that much, but the science fiction is really heady and fun um, hmm. in what it does. And they said that Voyager does that sort of just heady science fiction more than any of the other shows. I will say this, though, and they're commenting on this, and I believe this is true. And maybe this is part of the disconnect you had with the show and a lot of people had. They said so much of this show, the A story and the B story are completely unrelated. That was really interesting for me to hear because I started think, going back and thinking, going, in Next Gen, you'd have the A story and the B story, and then they would coincide and collide point, at the yeah. end. In DS9, you didn't have an A story, B story, especially after the second series, season. You had the A story, which focused on two or three characters, and then the B story was always the continuing story that's going on over the whole show. Right. So the A story was always on these two characters. Occasionally, they would have two, like they would cut in between an A story and a B story that were unrelated. Um, but most of the time there was a relation, but a lot of times there's like the A story is 
Voyager is trapped in a thing that's going to destroy the ship and Paris is rebuilding a car. Yeah. And there was like like this disconnect where it seemed like you could have taken the B story from two different episodes and swapped them out and you never would have known yep. they were from the two different episodes. Yeah, I could see that. Um, and that disconnect, you know, certainly disrupts the tension on the show. And when the show does it best is when the two things do collide. Um, I'm not going to say Voyager is, you know, you would think Voyager fails more often than I think it does. Um, I think Enterprise fails a hell of, more, hell of a lot more often than you think it does. But I mean, let's. Let's grant it that that they both succeed from time to time. I guess so. I just I, I you know, because you were so fond of saying that, like, uh, the best episode of Voyager, you know, is, you know, better than the best episode of, you know, whichever other series or something like that. Like when you talk about huh. the best ofs and like it's what's interesting to me is that I maybe you don't realize but like that stuff like kind of stays with me so yeah. like when I'm going back and I'm watching Star Trek like I actually did this when I was watching the original series and I was watching um the the first uh episode with the Romulans Balance of Terror yes Balance of Terror and that was done and I was like Justin's a fucking fool why there is no episode of Voyager that's as good as this shit he's fucking crazy <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like that stuff sticks well, to me will when say, you say I, I stuff say, like so, that, and then I like think about it when I'm watching. <laughs> I also have been trying to rewatch the original. I, like, and I mentioned this um, in the one that we recorded when we were in in Florida, um, Georgia, rather. Um, I've also been trying. It's it's really it's hard for me. The act, the style of acting is different than the style of acting I know, and the camera work is different than the camera work that I know, and the sets are clearly made of cardboard, and it's 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 hard. It is a hard leap for me to make. Because I got so spoiled by by what I was given in the '90s, because the the shows felt like they had to compete with the movies, so they they got fucking ILM, you know. Yeah. And and it's it's hard for me to it's hard. I'll be honest with you, it's hard for me when I watch a play to get into it. It's why I like movies so much because they're immersive experiences for me. Um, but when I watch a play, it's hard for me not to notice the audience around me, not to notice the set. You know, God forbid I have a seat in a play where I can see offstage. Oh geez, yeah. Like, like, like. It's it, really distracting. It is very. It's not just distracting for me. I cannot get into the world if I can see. I cannot get into the magic trick if I can see how it's done. It's very hard for me. Hmm. Um, and as a filmmaker, even harder, maybe. Um, Interesting. So your imagination is broken, guy. It maybe, maybe a little bit. <laughs> and I think that maybe, I think maybe a lot of people who who and it's funny. Yeah, no, that's something that like I'm, I I do notice or like that other people have like commented on yeah. about me. If that makes sense, like a a certain quality that most people as they become adults, um, certain things that you sort of just shed from your childhood because they're no longer necessary. Or you know, worthwhile from a perspective of an adult. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But it's like something that I haven't really done. You know, for me, it's interesting because you say my my imagination broken. It's not. It's there's there is a there's a threshold of reality that's hard for me to cross. Like you can give me a book, I can imagine the fuck out of that. Okay. Or you can give me a nothing. I mean, I you can imagine the fuck out of that. Like I I spent I spent an hour and a half um uh the other day. I was intending to listen to a podcast. I got an idea in my head and I did nothing but I turned off what I was doing. I did nothing but imagine for an hour and 20 minutes. I just I, I wrote a movie in my brain that I will never make. That was Ninjas versus Zombies 4. It's the fourth Ninjas movie. <laughs> I have like seven now. I have like seven, seven of the fourth zombie movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm never going to do it. But I was just like, what if I well, let's play this out? Let's see what happens next. I have the whole story. I don't even remember what it was. But at the time, I was really gung ho about it. <laughs> and then by the time I was driving home, I forgot what it was, but it was enough to entertain me for an hour and 10 uh, minutes. Sure. So, but it gets to the point where, where, so there's a place between, you know, here, I'll, I'll tell you this. I can watch a minimalist play in a black box theater where everyone's wearing black and sitting on black, like things that aren't really that I can watch that and totally get into that. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to watch in a community theater play where the set is kind of okay. Like where where so it's an all or nothing for you because if it's nothing you're fine you can imagine away and if it's like part way there I can't imagine between just, the cracks you can't, yeah you can't imagine up the next level yeah right yeah that's that's I don't want to say can't but it's certainly hard for me yeah 
Hmm. Yeah, that I would definitely say that. Yeah, that's I don't. True. I wouldn't say that I have that problem. Um. So, and that's probably my disconnect from the from the original series. It's probably the only problem that I, I I would say this when I watch the original series. The ones that I have the least problem with are like sitting on the edge of forever. I've no. I watched that issue. I've no, episode. I have no issue. Why? Because it's it doesn't seem like cardboard. It seems yeah. you know it's not so like it's that it's a, there's probably a reason why I gravitate toward that episode as my favorite one because um uh that that it, just for that reason so i think that like that is a problem with the, and, the original series that you just can't yeah it's it's hard for me to you can't get past um well then i'm sad for you sorry um you're dead inside it might also <laughs> be the problem that i have with enterprise honestly the other way around that it's hard i don't feel like enterprise feel enterprise doesn't feel like star trek for me and i think the reason is is there's a particular aesthetic to um Next Generation, uh, Next Generation, DS9, and Voyager. The the they all sort of take place in the same time. The hallways all kind of look the same. The costumes all sort of look like the same. Sure. The computer readouts are all sort of the same. Um, the and, color schemes are very similar. Um, yeah. and as much as I hate the final episode of Enterprise, I've watched it like five times because it has familiarity. I'm back in the Enterprise D ready room, right? You know, and and. I like it. I want to. That I want. That's what I want to visit. That's what I want to see. That world. So I think that the reason I, I prefer Voyager to Enterprise is it's because it's closer to that world. Then it's in that world. Yeah. yeah. It's and and at the time the Voyager was going on, the, the issue that I had with it is that it was so separate from that world. That like I was like, why do I only get little glimpses of the Alpha Quadrant now? I want to know what's happening on Romulus. You know, it's, <laughs> um. And the same, probably the same issue that I had with Insurrection. Maybe that's why I hate Insurrection so much. It's in a little bubble. It's in a little place where you hear a little bit what's happening, but it's with this race we've never known, we've never heard of, blah, blah, blah. Give me the Klingons! You know, that's like, like, wow. and probably why between Insurrection and Nemesis, I recognize that Nemesis is an inferior film to, to Insurrection. I know this to be true. I know that Nemesis is all flash, all style, no substance, no real emotional resonance, and that Insurrection, despite its flaws, has a sweetness to it. I get that. I can watch it and know that from a filmmaking perspective and go, go Insurrection, it, while the plot is stupid and, and there are jokes that don't work, these characters are really familiar to me. Whereas in Nemesis, I don't understand why anybody's doing the things they're doing. In Nemesis, nobody's really acting like themselves. They're just sort of action hero versions of themselves you know like i don't know i don't know why date and picard are running down shooting things i don't know why picard is riding in a giant doom buggy i don't know why any of this shit is happening um but in insurrection at the very least they still seem like my next gen characters um but i still will watch nemesis more because nemesis feels more like it's part of the continuity of trek there are admirals and there's romulans and there's klingons You, you know what i mean like what i love about star trek like I was the guy who I would read the Star Trek. There was a book called The History of the Future, that <laughs> where it was about the world. It was like every major event that happened in all of Star Trek and all of the series, uh, spelled uh, put chron- chronologically. It's the Star Trek chronology. Put here's what happened in the this year. This is 19- your comic bookiness coming in. I think that it's. I like. Do you that- know what I mean? Like, because I feel like that's something that you kind of see in comic worlds. Like, well, they'll have these like big compendiums that I'll just kind certainly of, you know be like all of these events and who got affected and like what that did to the world. And so like, you're so engaged in the world that you've become attached to. Well, and even look at look what really I like want. so much about into darkness. We're about to really slam, not slam into darkness, but slam into, into darkness. Um, so spoilers ahead for the fact that we're going to yes, talk about into darkness big time. About it big time. But um, even more than who the bad guy is, Notice what I squeed out about Into Darkness. Section 31. They mentioned Section 31. Yeah. The NX-01 is there. It's a, it's it's the references to stuff I know. Yeah. The, the feeling that I am watching this, and it's why I'm so bummed out. About, when you feel like it's not the right timeline and the Prime is dead or whatever. Yeah, well, it's why when I feel that way is the Prime is the Prime is dead because we're, dead. well, let me, let me rephrase. We're not watching the Prime anymore. Yeah, whether or not. The Prime is destroyed. The Prime as a storytelling device is dead. We're not going back. We're not watching it. I am not going to get to see what happens next to Commander Riker. That's that's no longer an option for me. Right. Um, but you are going to get to see. Like, here's the thing. Like, I don't understand why it's not just as compelling to you to get, to, especially when what you like is the world building, right? To see what this 
somewhat different world will play out like. Well, the thing is, is I am very interested, but there are some stark differences between the two. Stark difference number one: this world is new; it's not built. I'm not. I don't necessarily love the world building. I like being in the world once it's built. I see. Okay. I like the you know 19 years whatever of continuity that I had you know, between. I like that. <sighs> That's still there. Um, I but I want more of it. I I don't want that to have ended. I'm mean, I'm the guy who still like right now. I am trying to plan a high school reunion with old high school friends. I know everyone else is kind of like oh, I'm busy. I'm like no, we're friends like in high school. You know. <laughs> You know, and that's but there's a there's a certain I like it's not still there in terms of it's no longer growing. It's now a photograph. It's not something that is evolving anymore. And I wish that it would. And I'm interested in seeing but it, where, it, there's here, well, there's, here's the other that's here's what I'm saying. it's not building. It's still evo- it's evolving from that same place, but it's evolving in a different direction. Like, why isn't that just as interesting? Um, well, the other half of why it's not interesting is it's not episodic television. There's that. So that I'll grant you. So like, so like you're not getting as much. Like that's the real issue. I feel like. So and and, and when you say because why am movie, I not why am I not as excited because this world right now is really 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 small. Now the fact that it's so small means that every time they ever mention anything, every mention is huge. So there's <laughs> nothing to this world yet. This world is brand new. It's it's girders. The building has not been built. But you know, every time they put something that looks familiar in section thirty one, yeah. yeah! Um, it's evolving differently. You know, that's that's like like every time they build something, I'm into and even when they left turn, when they destroy Vulcan, when they left turn from it, I go, fuck. That really entertains me. Cause I'm like, that is effective. Something is happening in my world. Um, but I only get two hours of it. And, you know, yeah. I was entertained enough to have bought four movie tickets so far. Like to go see mm-hmm. the film. So you know, I'm I'm certainly very interested in seeing this world evolve. I'm not even that interested in seeing the the the, the world of the Enterprise evolve. Like, if they don't make any more Enterprise movies, but they're like, "Fuck it, we'll make two TV spinoffs in this world." Yes, I'm as interested in that. I yeah, w- no, I would like that too. I I'm more interested in that than seeing what happens on the Enterprise. I want to explore this world, but I can't. I'm restricted from exploring this world. And what was nice about about especially ds9 ds9 was amazing at this they they really explored that world ds9 was just like by the end of ds9 i can tell you everything going on with the klingons with the romulans with the cardassians with the bajorans with the with the you know i i they they just kind of just they put the heads of all the government in one room so they can all talk about what's going on and that's why i could watch that you're like yeah i could watch that show that's so like that's that's (laughs) well and there's a there's a word for that that they use on the trek websites it's continuity porn (laughs) <laughs> and that's and and that's that's what I like is continuity porn. Okay. That's that's why my favorite episodes of Enterprise, of course, are the Borg episode, and and the ones that reference First Contact when they finally call that out and you know stuff like that. And they create like the Prime Directive. Yeah, yeah. And my favorite episodes of Voyager, of course, are the ones where they reference the Alpha Quadrant. What's going on there? Little snippets when when Seven of Nine goes. Perhaps you are aware of the of the part small part that the Borg played in First Contact. And they're like, what? You know, like that's that's yeah. like I'm like I I dig that. I dig that stuff too. I just I maybe don't. And, and I also feel like Abrams isn't that interested in world building. I feel like he's interested in giving you a kick-ass action film, which he does. He does and giving you yeah. other things, emotionally satisfying film, which he does. But I think he's much more interested in the film. Yeah, that's than the I mean, and, but and that's the thing though about a film. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, I don't even know that it's. Well, that let's it's go Abrams there. Let's fault, go. Let, let's let's know? go there. And I don't want to say fault because I bought four tickets. There's no fault. Uh, there's no fault. I'm just saying, but I'm saying like, that's the nature of the beast is what I'm saying. Right. Like, I feel is like. Is it? And let's. let's I, I well, let's, so. let's have that conversation because I disagree. And that's been to and to prove what? my point and you can prove your point. I would like to compare two different films. Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan and Star Trek Into Darkness and how the responsibilities of each. Um, and I'm going to bring in Wrath of uh, uh, Search for Spock a little bit. The responsibilities of each are much different, I feel. And what they're trying to deliver and who they're trying to deliver it to are much, much different things. And maybe it's that the responsibility of a Somerset Temple film, maybe it's because when Star Trek II came out, you know, it didn't need to make that much money. Yeah. And because you'd have 70 films out there at one time and now you have to make 300, like... They, I think I think that the landscape has changed considerably, and I think the real difference here, and this is key, 
the the single biggest difference between Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan and this Star Trek Two: Into Darkness is Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan had not just the first movie but the series. Like it was close enough in time, and the series was highly in syndication sure. when those movies came out. Now, all they have is Star Trek 2009. And they don't even necessarily have that. And they don't exactly they don't I even can, necessarily have that because they can't count on that being return business. So they yeah. need to make sure that this Star Trek is but I would is better if you've seen the first. Like there's things that you get if you did that. You but I would argue. Get, I, I would argue that stand on its own. I would argue that Nicholas Meyer, um, was facing the same issue. I disagree. Star Trek the Motion Picture, while a financial success, was considered a was considered a big uh, disappointment critically and and with fans. And when Nicholas Meyer took over, when like Roddenberry was pushed to the side, and they said, "Meyer, it's your universe. Go for it." Harv Bennett, and Nicholas Meyer said, "It's yours." That's why it looks, you know. Like Roddenberry immediately was like, this seems like a military submarine now suddenly. This is not, mm. this is, it becomes a military ship. And, you know, there's a lot of. There's a lot of reference to it. Yeah, I noticed like, there's that a, this time, like a lot of like, you know, but no, the, you can't have the Genesis because this that's military. Nick and- Meyer deliberately made a film that was for people who've never seen Star Trek before. He, he says that. He says, I was making, he says the very first choice I made was I wanted to make this film for my mother who had never seen an episode of Star Trek. So the very first thing I put in at the very, very beginning of the film is a title card that says in the 23rd century. The film starts with Mm -hmm. in the 23rd century because he he is assuming that you don't know these characters and he gives you all the information you need to know about them in a in a what I can what I consider to be a perfect first 10 minutes of a film. Where he's just like, you learn everything you need to know. You know who her is, what her job is. You know what Spock is, what his personality is, what McCoy is. You know, both when he's in the Kobayashi Maru and afterward. Didn't you like my performance? You learn that they're aging. You learn that Kirk wants the ship back. You learn that Kirk is a but hero. That, but by there's the way. history there. That, but, and you learn, but, so there's history to there pull is, from is my point. There is history, but Meyer deliberately had the script put together in such a way that. I'm clear that you don't need it. I'm not disagreeing with yeah. you. I do think he did a very artful job. Of the history is there, and if you're aware of it, it's awesome because you like have it. But I do feel like even if you didn't, but I think the fact that it's there with these people fucking plays. It plays, but maybe because the people have a, have an implied history with each other. That's what I'm saying. The actors. Yes, that's what I mean. Because we are to assume that these people in Star Trek Into Darkness also have this history with each other. Spock screams and cries and rages in a way he never did over his entire planet dying mm-hmm. for Kirk. We we are assuming that I just spit on myself. We are assuming that uh that that history is there, but it's just not there with the actors. You just don't feel the no, comfort. It's not. That's what, um, and that's what I mean. Like so when you come to these Except people, for Simon Pegg. Can I say that Simon Pegg exudes that comfort? With, but he exudes that kind of period. I know, but that's what I'm saying, though. It's like, like he is the only. I feel like he knows everyone. He, I, I didn't get the sense that, you know, that, and it's not a bad performance. I didn't get the sense. And I felt like there were good, like honestly, I felt like there were good performances from everybody. It wasn't that I didn't get a feeling that there wasn't any. To be clear, I do think as actors, they did a great job of communicating relationship. But what I'm saying is, like, there's something between human beings that is communicated regardless. And I and that's like, why that's why I want to give the shout out to this Simon. Didn't, this didn't happen or whatever. I guess we weren't recording. But like I was saying, like, when I, I went to audition for this show and I show up there and it's supposed to be these three these three girls who live in a house together. And the two other girls who show up are, are pe- friends I've made through doing my work. Um, so they're not just two other girls at this audition they're like friends at this audition so it's it was so much easier even though we're playing different people it's like i'm not being mean you know they're not being them like it's there's that familiarity and that comfort that relates like and i and i felt strong like i felt really good about the audition because i was like yeah that shit felt good like i felt like like we totally live together right yeah we do you know what i mean like and i feel like that's what's communicated beyond whatever the text is in Star Trek II Wrath of Khan because they actually have history. They actually have known each other for 15 years. Yeah. They act, You know what I mean? And that stuff plays. And I think when you just make little references in the first 10 minutes, 
and that's there underneath as undercurrent, it sells it so sure. hard in a way that he doesn't have the luxury of selling in Star Trek: The yeah. Darkness. And uh, I and I I agree with you. And I'm not saying that one is even better than the other. I don't even know that Star Trek Two is better than Into Darkness anymore. I think Into Darkness certainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, what's what? So so what's what? What is what is better? Right. So that the 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 question would be, do I like, um, going to a gourmet restaurant where the meal they give you is little, but it's very rich and very filling? Star Trek Two, <laughs> or do I like? Going to just a really good buffet, you know, <laughs> a breakfast buffet, you know, where because everything's good on a breakfast buffet, on a good one, you know, like like because that's that's really like into darkness. It's just like here, 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 here. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's just like like it's like like you're you're laughing, you're crying, you're you're excited, you're like it's just hard for me. Everything's to... kind of turned up to eleven. Yeah, and that's yeah. like and and there's just not just turned up to eleven. There's so much of it. Yep. I mean, think about where you were sobbing in the theater about Kirk dying, and that's really, it's really only five minutes past before you're like, "Ooh, Spock can fight!" Like, like, like it, it, like when Spock dies at the end of, of Star Trek Two, or Kirk, uh, when Spock dies at the end of Star Trek Two, nothing happens after that. It's almost more that's that's the thing. Like, that's I mean, that's that's the. It's so much heavier because of that. Like, I feel like the characters have much more weight because of it, like almost like and I'm saying this, you know, having just literally like just watched Star Trek 2 yeah. and had some time to have distance from Star Trek Into Darkness because I haven't seen it as recently. I didn't watch it today um, where and to be clear, I am really happy J.J. Abrams did it that way, but like. There's a part of me that whenever Spock dies at the end of two, like, and and I actually started watching three, and and this it, this is this this part in particular is very telling. There's like some Joker, on like oh I love this I love this and he's moment. like this and is he's like mode. he's like so is there gonna be like a parade? And he's like yeah well we fucking paid for it like then and he punches like, him in the face. I, but you want him to like you're with him in that moment. You're like dude who the fuck are you? We fucking lost Spock you jackass. Hey, this ain't gonna be a fucking parade asshole. Wait, are you and I having a really intense conversation right now? Are we? Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. Damn it! What are you doing with that tribble? I just wanted to have a really, really awkward transition to a totally pointless other thing <laughs> in the middle of an intense conversation. Which was about my hugest <laughs> issue with it is, Star Trek. But Trek. I didn't even have that issue when I first saw it after you pointed out, man, oh man. Isn't it it's awful? so there. It's so awful. It's like, like, I will punish you for everything you've done, but now I need you to help you. I'll promise your crew will be safe. You can't even keep your own crew safe. Dun, dun, dun. What are you what doing with that, that triple? Like, What? <laughs> What? I want to see what makes this work. So are you joining us or not? Really? <laughs> like that was really the best way we could work that in. Yeah, like like nowhere else. Like really? I'm just yeah. having trouble. Like I have trouble yeah. with that. Like That's who edited issue. that? It, it really. It's a it's an odd place. It's a yeah. I feel it, like there yeah. had to be a. That's there a screenwriting. Had thing. to be a better way to do this. That's a screenwriting. That's just Is like it? that's in there. Okay. Yeah. Unless it, it was an insert. It might have been that like they were like we need to put this somewhere and it needs to be in sick bay. We shot the scene with maybe that's what I think. But what happened? I think it's a reshoot. Oh, here's what I think happened. Here's what I think happened there. <laughs> They're going to posit that this is what happened. Um, I think that you had the movie, the movie played and they test screened. It. It's a big temple. So, of course, they test screened it. Sure. And people were like th- you had people go, I don't understand how Kirk came back. Like oh, the blood thing. I don't I like the blood thing. I, I feel like we let those people not understand. No, but we did like but like people walk out and go, what your biggest problem with the movie? I didn't know. I don't understand. Like. That's what the test screening do. They go, what the, What was your biggest problem with the movie? I don't understand how Kirk came back. But so they go, this is a problem. We've heard this is enough of a problem. Okay, how do we explain it? Where do we explain it? Yeah, where do we explain it? We need... I didn't need it, to be clear. So, in it, so, so then someone goes, okay, well, of course we don't because we're schooled in sci-fi. But there are people who aren't. There are people who well, like... And this is fundamentally something the that, idea like, that, there's that mad- makes me upset and happy, strangely, like at the same time about the new movies. Because there are people like just... I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I'm judging, but like regular people, <laughs> like going to see it. Clearly, they're the ones judging you. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I I don't want to pander to them. Right. Like, because that's part of what I liked about like, it's like, 
you don't get it, so that's fine that you don't watch it. <laughs> and yet you need to pander to them. And that, but that, but that yeah. upsets me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's like that line in the first movie. You know, you mean an alternate reality? I'm like, we really had to say that. Well, I mean, for you, they did. Had they not said that, then we wouldn't be arguing about anything. We would still be arguing. Really? Yeah. I wonder. I would still say it's an alternate timeline because I didn't need Ahura to tell me. Ooh. Mm. Um. So. Because mm. uh, I'm uh, a uh, smarter uh, parent. Uh, so uh, uh, um. <laughs> I know my science. Um, so I uh, la 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 la. Um, so I, I think they give you. I mean, they give you a different. I I want to go. So I've I've like I said, I've listened to a bunch of reviews. I have and, and something that I've heard. Have you? I I haven't listened to a lot of reviews, but something I've heard, like from the lovely and wonderful Paul, for instance, yeah. like who we saw it with. Um, you know where he said he felt that it was basically just a regurgitation of star trek to wrath of khan and that he didn't have any originality to make his own film and and i just really wholeheartedly disagree with that like i just i didn't feel that way i'm i'm halfway like, i'm in, i'm in between you i feel like there are tones like i'm not i'm not saying that i don't see some of the the parallels and some of the similarities but i feel like he struck enough of that to kind of make me happy right because like i'm kind of wanting that emotionally right because that's like where my headspace is at mm -hmm. for these characters and um and crafting his own thing like and i feel like it very much falls in line with what he's doing with the film's kind of period this idea of what if this one event caused a branching path you know uh, that we're now watching but there's I, and like, what I, would that look like would it be super super different would there be a lot of similarities? Well, let's, like let's, how much does the spin of an electron really fucking change? You know what I mean? Yeah, like so, that well, kind let of me, stuff. Let, and let me let me call some some else out that we talked about in the long lost deleted podcast. Um, that that if this is a remake of something, it's not a remake of Wrath of Khan. It's a remake of Space Seed. Yeah. Um, that's what it's. It has much more in common with Space Seed than it does Wrath of Khan. It plays the the notes of of Wrath of Khan, but the plot is much more based around Space Seed. Um. I will say these are some of the things that I've heard and I want to I want to address them because um, some of them I think are valid. Uh, one, and I think this is huge. Um, none, of the, none of the characters uh, change. And they there's a lot of repetition in the first third of the film and that it's kind of clumsy the way they do it. Kirk has his ship and then he loses his ship. And then something happens and then he has his ship again. And it's all in like the 30 minutes and everyone's sort of separated out. And then everyone has to get back together and he gets a ship again. And you even get the arrival to that ship. There's the ship. Cool shot before it goes away. Just kind of where it was in the first film. And so the beats that the, the complaints that I got is it's not playing the beats of Wrath of Khan. It's playing the beats of Star Trek 2009. Um, okay, and I can not, see that. And not, doing, and not doing as well at playing those beats. Well, one of the things I do like in the beats that you just talked about, at least, is, like I said when we were reviewing it, is the the fact that they bring up the Prime Directive and that that oh, I love that is I, why I, he gets the shit, I, I, his I command taken. But, but the fact that he gets his command taken... So quick, the, the fact that he gets it back so quickly, like it... It's like it, it, a little it, bit. it undermines all of the drama of the fact that he got it taken in the first place. And I mean, yes and no. I don't. I don't feel that way personally. But like, but it just it seemed again that that they were playing the beats. You know, he wants the ship. You know, he shouldn't be there. But then he's given the chance to prove himself again. It was just sort of, sort of the same beat. That's what I mean. I feel like it's it, it's it's rushed. Like I feel like, I mean, I'm didn't get to finish uh, Star Trek three yet. But I feel like that's when he loses his admiralship is because yeah. of what he does in three. And they don't, I think more than, I mean, not even more than any of them. Like there's, there's actually continuity between the films. And yeah. I feel like they actually Abrams, sell it. They, they actually, Abrams doesn't have that luxury. Well, but he could. So I he mean, doesn't have the time. You know well, what I mean? But like, I that's think why you, I feel like everything's kind could, of on fucking steroids, amped up to eleven. Well, and let's be clear, you really, don't have. Let's be know? clear, you don't have to do that. Captain America didn't do that. Thor didn't do that. Uh, the yeah, but we've talked about how the 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 
the precariousness of the position of these films to begin with and, and the pressure on them. Maybe on to, the first one. I feel like this one had enough goodwill coming in and certainly it does need to deliver. And and I'm not saying it doesn't need to deliver. And, and you know, and look, I don't think these writers is go- are as good as Joss Whedon. I don't think these guys can balance the big giant summer tentpole film with the multi-layered ensemble cast picture that the Avengers was. I don't think that I don't think that these guys are. Well, I think the Avengers had movies going into it, though. They had. You well, know well I mean? and, but this one had one going into it, too. All the characters were introduced. You did not need to take the ship away from him and give it back to him. There could have been other repercussions or he could have lost the ship and then taken it back because he felt he needed to. That would have been way fucking more compelling. That would, would have been more Kirk, too. Honestly. It would have been way more compelling. That, I mean, that's pretty much what he does in, in Search for Spock. Yeah. If, if like he comes to the dude and he's like, listen, if, I need if, to do this thing. And the guy's like. Dude, dude, no, 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 no. Genesis persona grata. Like you can't, you can't go there. And he's like, like well, well, I had to try. I'm gonna like, like if, anyway. if if Pike if Pike died, and then he just takes the fucking ship, and he goes, and then Marcus reaches him versus via via subspace and goes, goes, son, I don't like that you're doing this, but if you're doing it, here you go. You know, is it? There's also a lot of moments of convenience. Um, oh sure. That that. But there were a lot of those in the first one too. That bugged the shit out of me. That 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 again. The, the, uh, only on multiple rewatchings. It didn't bother me the first time at all. The first time I was really wowed by it. By the fourth time, there were some things that I noticed. Um, first thing that I noticed, I have a, I have a huge problem with, um, with uh, let's call it out, Khan, uh, uh, showing up. And, and the second Kirk goes, we're all supposed to have a meeting in this room. And then Khan is showing up at everybody. that moment, 20 seconds after he says this. Mm-hmm. The Khan knows where the room is, the exact time of the meeting, who's going to be there, and that he can approach so easily. And and he there's no security there, and yeah. and Kirk like says it, and then it happens that moment. Yeah. There's not even an argument about it. It's just he says it. Everybody oh shit! Yeah, yeah, that's that's like I have an issue with that. I don't know why Spock mind melds with Pike. It's emotional later that he did, but I don't know why he did. Um. It's it's not really explained why he did. I don't have a huge problem with him doing it, but it seems like it, it's it's an important action that does not clearly motivate. It's not clearly motivated why he does it, and it's so important. I would I would have been more satisfied if there was a reason for like like if he if like he was like you know let me calm you, let me help or you, or even if it was just like I think when it when it happened, like in my brain. This was me, you know, from what I recall of Spock yeah. filling in a blank. But where, it was a blank. That's no, I, I'm, a, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm saying like what occurred to me in the moment. And I feel like there was a way they could have communicated this um, that that he was. Um, I mean, he there was a closeness with Pike. Yeah. Right. Like and. One that you never see, but, but we you, know. But, about. but we know about like that's been what, told. To let, us. Let's put emphasis on the word we. We oh, know about. We know about. So maybe that's right. Like I'm putting that there, and yeah. it's not really there. Um, it's not being shown there. When you think of the closeness with Pike, just first first impression. Are you thinking about Star Trek 2009, or are you thinking about the cage? I'm thinking about the cage. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's. And it's like that's. I guess that's the problem. Like they're not really that hasn't really been shown to us, and I think that's a perfect reason for him to my milk when he's dying. Yeah, but but in this case, we don't know that it's not a clearly. And even so, I don't know if I want the first officer of my ship to know my deepest, most scared thoughts. It's a really invasive choice to make with no clear benefit to Pike doing it to, to go. I am going to know your thoughts when you're scared and at your most vulnerable right now. It is, I guess what it occurred to me as was not about, I'm going to know your thoughts when you're scared and vulnerable. And I'm like doing this yeah. invasive thing, but more like a, um, he was so bad off. He couldn't talk. Yeah. Right. So like, I'm your friend. But we're I can feeling that you, it, I can comfort you. Do you all do you know that from this movie or do you know that because you saw the next gen episode Sarek? I'm just saying. But you know what I'm saying? No, it's, I know. It's, it's, I mean, it's that's, I'm clear. I'm clear it's, that it's, there's a blank there that yeah. isn't actually explained, but that it didn't occur to me as a blank until you brought it up you, because I felt I filled it in with on, my knowledge. On the on the fourth viewing it viewed me. I was like, why is he why is he doing that? Why, why, why is, why is he? And, and there, there, there are sort of moment after moment after moment where why, if you think about it, I will give you one that really upsets me and it didn't, and it wasn't even like I had to have four watchings. It was like, it occurred to me like, 
probably like two days later. What? After seeing the movie twice when we did. Um, the gratuitous shot of Marcus. You know, I didn't mind it. Um, I, I minded. I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. Okay. Because now let's let's be clear. They have apologized for the shot. Thank fucking goodness. But like, fucking take it out. It doesn't need to be there. Like, I didn't mind so much. You had the gratuitous shot of the green chick in the first one for funsies. I fucking get it. I don't have a problem there. Like, Orion Slave Girl was a sex object in the show. Like, it's kind of the point. Fine. If you're gonna make t- take all this time to set her up as a fucking scientist which i know which i never buy but okay but let's say if that's the point right like how the fuck are you gonna ask me to do that and then you're just gonna for no fucking reason whatsoever other than to have a gratuitous fucking bra and panty shot you know what i mean like that really really upset me especially when it's like now how far have we come? Like, where are we at this point? Can women vote? Like, I'm just saying, like, it really, for me, like, and I'm not usually, like, militant, yeah. you know, feminist chick, but that really pissed me off. Like, and I am all for seeing titty and ass. I love naked chicks. I love that shit. But Marcus is supposed to be a scientist. She's not supposed to be a fucking sex object. And I wouldn't even have minded if it was like they were getting hot and heavy in some scene and she got half naked and he was half naked. Now, let's be clear. Uh, Uhura gets half naked in Star Trek 2009. She's supposed to be a a xenolinguistic. And and Kirk is is kind of spying on her as she's getting undressed. It's creepy, actually, if you think about it. It's creepy a little bit, but at least... But again, this is in the context of he was just having a little fling with it and was character building there it was a funny scene and it was funny and she was undressing in a place that it made sense for her to undress yeah I, i'll buy that Do you see what i'm let, saying let me like let me, he let me. was the intruder in that situation so it wasn't gratuitous in the same way well let's let's talk more about that scene because i have other issues with that scene first of all i want to tell you my biggest issue my biggest shot that bothered me of the film and it, it is it is the i hate that we're ragging on it because i really like it i know because i really like the film but, except for but, these things, but 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 when i think about it more there's the shot that i think is indicative of the biggest problem of the film uh when Scotty figures out, uh, when Scotty figures out that he beamed to Kronos, and he has to tell Kirk that he beamed to Kronos, they're meeting in front of uh, like the San Francisco Bay, mm-hmm. and Scotty, they they are on separate sides of a wide shot. They're running, 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 running together to meet, so Scotty can tell them that he beamed to Kronos, and that just bite the shit out of me. I was like. Why didn't they just decide to meet at one place? Why do they have to run immediately to that place to meet? Why isn't one person already meeting there? Why? Because J.J. Abrams seems everybody to run all the time. And why couldn't mm-hmm. we have cut to a calm scene? No, it was they have to be running. Intense, 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 intense. Now, look, granted, you can you you have called me out on that for Ninjas versus Monsters that that I have supplanted in some cases character development and, and introspection with bigger, faster. You know, and and I don't apologize for it. And JJ doesn't necessarily have to apologize for this one. But that moment, I was like, that didn't that really they didn't need to run up to have that conversation. (laughs) That conversation didn't need a run up. There was nothing, no reason. There's no need. There's nothing they're running to. This 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 information is no like better to have a minute and a half half earlier. Yeah. Earlier or later. It's not that intense of a moment. It's an important moment. It's important to communicate that information. If it's that important, do it over fucking like the phone. You know, <laughs> like if it's so important that you have to run there when you're making the like, meeting you to run there. <laughs> yeah, like seriously. Shit, like, what the fuck? Um, another issue, and I hate the scene. I hate the whole scene. You're like that. You're like the the scene where um Kara Marcus goes out to disarm the torpedo. Yeah, whole scene's bullshit. Everything about the scene is bullshit. And you have the big reveal that the guy's inside, but it's just like this torpedo beep, beep, beep. It's going to go off. It's going to explode. Oh, no. Oh, things bit my arm. Ah, it's gonna, he's going to die. It's I, so contrived. Yeah. I, yeah um, not only is he contrived, but there's an out. Shoot his fucking arm off. Wow. A whole ship full of people, including Spock, who should not be emotionally affected by what's happening and be able to think logically, go, what is the best way out of the situation? It only took me, an inferior human from the 20th century, four viewings of the film to, to figure, figure out, out that you could just take it. Yeah. These off. guys, these advanced people, a whole ship of military tacticians, including Spock. And there's should, no time. And, the, and there's and there's 30 seconds, but there's 30 seconds. 
30 seconds to go. Nobody is going, what's the solution? What's the solution? You know, I beam him out. He can't beam out. Cut his arm off. Grow him a fucking new one. Done. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that scene felt very... You know, and I hate I hate to slam it, and 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 I feel a little bad for how how resistant we were to to Paul, who didn't like. I, I don't think it's Star Wars ripoff at all. Yeah, no, I didn't. And, and, it wasn't that I had a that I I disagreed with, you know, criticisms of the film. I disagreed with his criticisms. But of the I will film say this: I think who else was there? Um, Stephanie. Yes. Yeah. Stephanie, that she was the one who didn't ever really watch Star Trek. Before, yeah. Right, and she felt like it was just so intense all the time that like it was just sort of she just couldn't even engage or well, that's something when to I, that when effect. I go back to Star Trek 2 and I can kind of see I'm just saying like I can kind of take a step back and go I could see how a person might feel that way like well, it's just you're being bombarded and bombarded and bombarded and you're like okay well if it's all gonna be like this then I'm just gonna you know take when a I go back to back Star Trek 2 I will say there are at parts of that film I should, I'd actually cut down a little bit um which evidently there are like seven cuts of that film, by the way, that like there's director's cuts, really? there's a TV cut, there's blah, blah, there's like, there's tons of different things. Um, Interesting. Uh, but I think they're in the nebula a little too long. I think the second round of the nebula is, is a little, it's like, it gets a little repetitive. Um, but it was amazing for the time. There had never been layered. So for the time, I understand why people would be really compelled. Now I'm kind of like, okay, get it. They're, you know, they're facing off against each other. It gets a little long. But oh, I didn't feel that way. But what I love is the film has a theme about youth. Um, although yep. I, although I've I've like like I've complained before that Kirk's going. I feel young. Is I know you have is is seems. And every time you complain about world. that movie, I want to punch you in your fucking face. I'm not complaining about the movie. I'm just saying that there are there are things that I. Here's what <laughs> I like. Punch you right in your well, face. Well, let me defend myself with this. I really like that movie, and I love that and. Movie. I mean, even though it leaves me. Do you know when I? Do you know when I know I'm going to love that movie? I know I'm going to love that movie when McCoy gives Kirk glasses. That scene. Yeah, it's so beautiful. That scene, it's quiet. Has nothing to do with the original series. There's nothing about it that reminds me of the original series. The relationships are different. They're different people. You could watch this movie and never have seen an episode. There's nothing about it that requires anything. They're, 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 they're. As much as they did know each other in the original series, their relationship here is completely different. It doesn't play anything like it did in Star Trek 1. These are two actors doing something brand new they've never done before using a great script and 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 taking these characters and talking about what it means to start feeling yourself age. Yeah. And I was like, this is, this is so much, and I'm not slamming Star Trek, but so much better than Star Trek ever allows you to do. Like Star Trek never lets you sit down and go, we're human beings and we're frail and we age and we grow. It's like, and what, well, and what does that feel like in this environment? Yeah. Like, cause I almost feel like it would be worse. Yeah. Because in a, in a, where perfection is sort of expected uh, or, or even just in a, in a, in a case where like the, especially what they're talking about in that, in that scene where it's like, you never should have given up being a captain. Yeah. Like the problem is you've moved to this phase in your life. That's the natural progression maybe for where your age is. And right? there's, and there's, but, and, and there is by the way, no amount of lens flare or desk or, or ships on a desk or cool looking sets that tells me more. That is more interesting than that room that Kirk lives. Oh in. my God. I love that room. And like, I was just thinking about it when I was watching it. Me and Mr. A were just like, I was like, I love that fucking chair. The room, like the room informs you about Kirk. It says so much. It tells you about him as a character. Mm -hmm. The room absolutely says hero and also says philosopher yep. and also says explorer. And there's so much about it. And none of it has anything to fucking do with space. Nope. It's, it's all it's about him as a and, person. And that's the thing about that scene that's kind of beautiful. Like it's kind of about them as people. Yeah. And it's got nothing to do with space. But like that's, and that's when I feel like Star Trek really shines when they show you the underlying humanity because it's like that's what I like to see because it's like what might it be like for us because it's like funny especially when you think about things like there's only one when scene you think about Space Seed and when you think about this movie because um, for me they talk about the year 1996 and yeah. like someone's like graduating high school you know what I mean so like 
I'm like, I was there for 1990. There was no eugenics war. Like, but in the it, books, there were. It's really cool. But that's to say, like, it's it's cool for me. And then they also talk about, oh, well, we didn't have, you know, at least in Space Seed, they didn't have the ability to travel in space um, in short periods of time until 2018. I'm like, 2018 is pretty close. What if that's true? Like, it makes you think about like you should what- really, you would really love the eugenics wars books. You should really read them. Like, they, it's uh, just as a side note, it it explains that the eugenics wars were happening under our noses. What? Yeah. Oh, that sounds really interesting. No, there, there are no. It's it's a Star Trek book, but it's not in the future. It's actually in the past. And and Khan is the main character, or one of the main characters. Interesting. Um, and there's no Starfleet. There's no Kirk. There's no. It's it's just the the story of these new people that they introduce you to going through the machinations that Khan is doing that is sort of happening underneath that we never know about or see. So Khan does command all the power that Kirk says he commanded, but secretly. Interesting. It's re- there and and the stories are really good too. I really enjoyed the books. I really suggest that if you are a big Khan fan, the Eugenics Wars books are really interesting. I have to give them a whirl. Um um but anyhow, yeah. what I was like the fact that what all this technology or what all this future, like even Khan says it, he's like it's two hundred years in the future. This is in space seat, obviously, yeah. and he's like, and human beings really haven't really fucking changed. And it's like, I wonder how true that would be. Like, I feel like there's like some level of us because they also talk about how. But I think Star Trek Two tells you the same thing in a much different way. It says it says you're you're. You're 200 years in the future and we haven't changed. Yeah. We're still people. That's what I mean. And that's what I love about it. Like, that's what I feel like it's at its strength when it's like, even though it's, you know, in this time period with with stuff that we don't understand and things that we don't have, like, people are still people yeah. dealing with people stuff. Yeah. And that's and I, I love that. And I, unfortunately, am going to have to call an end to these proceedings and make it a two-part episode that you will be able to listen to next time on Trek Off as we continue our redux into Star Trek Into Darkness. Please join us there. Uh, and until that time, my name is Justin for Alexia Trek Off. You are listening to the Geeks Radio Internet Radio Network at geeksradio.com, home of Trek Off, the Not Safe for Work Star Trek podcast, Pop Off, where we geek out on comics, movies, and TV shows that are the superstars of geek culture, Podcast Who, the Doctor Who podcast with Phil Stamper, Ninjas vs. You, the official podcast of the Ninjas vs. Trilogy, and Garrett and RJ Go Hollywood, two regular guys trying to make it in Tinseltown. All of this is available for you for free by going to Geeks radio.com or searching geeks radio on itunes geeks radio is a presentation of endlight entertainment